Come and see it. Um, today we're in Advent 3. We've been sort of following the, the Christmas carol theme. The first three Sundays of Advent, the ghost of Christmas past, came and took us all the way back to the garden and, and uh, showed us how the setup was. Ghost of Christmas present uh, talked to us about, showed us about how we should celebrate his birth. The Bible doesn't tell us to celebrate his birth, but it sure tells us how to. And so that's what the ghost of Christmas present was all about. The ghost of Christmas yet to come is the one today. And would you stand with me? We're going to read a couple of brief passages, one out of the book of Daniel and one out of the book of Revelation. Let's, let's read together. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to earth. As late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. The kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that he would come and that he would enlighten us, that he would convict us, that he would draw us to you and attract us to Jesus. We bless you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Before I get into this, I also need to mention, many of you already know this, but uh, Brenda Boyd, uh, Brenda Boyd's father passed away on Friday. Uh, That's been kind of expected. Uh, He's with the Lord. Um, there, uh, uh, those of you who don't know who Brenda is, uh, Rodney Boyd is, is one of our elders here. Uh, just give you a bit of information this, this afternoon, uh, and I believe on into the evening is visitation. It's going to be in Shelbyville. And I don't know the name of that funeral home there, but I presume there aren't a whole lot of funeral homes in Shelbyville. So you can probably find out which one it is. Uh, the service is tomorrow at one o'clock in Shelbyville. So for those, you, huh? Okay. <clears throat> and also, uh, if you're not able to go to visitation, you're not able to go to the service, that's understandable, but just pray for him. Uh, pray for the Boyd family. Rodney's, Rodney's going to do the service, so it ought to be interesting. <laughs> As I said, uh, the ghost of the, the future is from Christmas Carol. And when that ghost appears... Scrooge says something to him that is is pretty enlightening. Scrooge says, I fear you more than any specter that I have seen. Ghost of the future. 
And the reason why he says that is because this is true. We do. You may go, I, I, I don't fear. The, I mean, some are here who go, I, yeah, I know I'm fearing the future. But there are some here who are probably going, I, I don't fear the future. You don't, huh? How's your 401k doing? How, uh, do, do you have insurance? If you don't have insurance, do you wish you did? Do you ever think, man, I need insurance? We fear the future. In fact, if you go into virtually any city, the biggest building in the city, well, if it doesn't have an insurance company housed in it, an insurance company owns it. That's pretty much always the case. And the reason why is because we fear the future. That's what, in spite of the fact that Jesus tells us, hey, don't, don't sweat it. Don't be worried about tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow. In fact, we're going, that's right. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm not taking anything. And, and look, you know, I, I know that we live in the, in the land of weirdos, so I, I just need to make it real clear. I'm not saying drop all your insurance and cash in your 401ks and give it to the church. Now, you might want to do that. But, but, but I'm not saying to do that, okay? But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just pointing out that the uncertainty of the future is a, is a bugaboo that hangs over all of mankind, over all of us. But then Scrooge goes on to say, I fear you more than any specter that I have seen, but as I know that your purpose is to do me good. And as I am resolved to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and to do it with a thankful heart. As I mentioned last week, um, there's not really any scripture in Dickens' Christmas Carol, but man, it's, it's deep. It's woven into it exactly the way that, that it should be. Advent, the season of Advent that we're in, the word doesn't mean the season of Advent. Uh, the word literally means a coming to, an approach, an arrival. And for centuries, the, the church has used the term to describe this season, a season of preparation to observe the birth of Christ. But it is not just preparation to observe the birth of Christ. It's really been used more so as a season of preparation for the second coming of Christ. Season of, of preparing our hearts and, and, and considering the fact that, yeah, he came the first time, but you know what? He's going to come again because he is going to come again. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be talking about the second coming of Christ and some of the things that we know about it and some of the things that we don't know about it and, uh, and what, what it means, really what it means, because we need to prepare our hearts for his coming to rule and reign on this earth, just as we need to prepare our hearts for his coming to rule and reign in our lives. The fact of the second coming is well established in scripture, and it's, it's a literal thing. It's not, it's not metaphorical. It's not this invisible kind of, oh, he comes. No, he comes. That's, that's what it's about. Daniel, over in the second chapter of Daniel, when Daniel is interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream about uh, the kingdoms and about the empires of the earth, he ends up with this. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. He's talking about a literal political entity on the earth that crushes and destroys what we know of as political entities 
and endures forever. We read in Daniel chapter 7 already today, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The psalmist declares concerning the son, I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. If he just said that first sentence, then we could kind of go, oh yes, the nations belong to Jesus. Yes, the nations do belong to Jesus. And he will rule them with an iron scepter and dash them to pieces like pottery. And so when the angel came and spoke to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to, to Jesus, he said, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So this is a literal thing that we're talking about here and, and preparing for and ramping up for. So what do we know about it? What, what do we know about the second coming? There are a lot of uh, wild ideas and wild theories and stuff out there, and we're attracted to the stuff. I mean, we really are. If there's some serious, genuine woo, we want to see it. Because woo is cool. And so there's all kinds of woo out there about the second coming. But there are are some concrete things that we can absolutely know. and, And I wanted to share four of them with you real quick. The first thing that we absolutely know is no one knows the time. Does anybody not understand that sentence? Actually, a lot of people don't understand that sentence. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And he didn't... He didn't <laughs> He didn't say it that way in order to say, you don't know the day or the hour, but you sure can know the month and the year. No, that's not what he's trying. There's not a hidden code in there. You know, some guys, when they ask a girl out and she says no, they go, I wonder what that really means. (laughs) Yeah, you notice where the laughter's coming from, don't you? I wonder what that really means. <laughs> of course, in this day and age, it kind of goes the other way sometimes. It's just too good. I got, I got, y'all, yeah. <laughs> After we did Christmas Carol on, on Friday morning uh, for the for uh, uh, the schools and and Thurman Francis was over here. One of the girls came up to Case afterwards and went. A friend of mine wants your phone number. <laughs> At case of, well, no, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I mean, I'll sign the program or something, but I can't. Do it. No, no, my friend really needs your number. Oh, no, I can't. I, I, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. And then she said, I got And he didn't give her his number, but some of you who know Case would have sold it. <laughs> you would have done that. <laughs> Where was I? 
He's not, there's no secret code written in the middle of this sentence here. But in spite of Jesus' very clear words, people have often claimed to crack the prophetic code. We got it. In fact, it started as early as the second century. Various sects and individuals have, have proclaimed when his return was going to be. Hilary of Poitiers. All of you remember him, don't you? Uh, was the first one to name a year. And he named 365 AD. 365 AD. Does that number sound familiar at all? It doesn't sound familiar because Christ came back that year. It just is how many days there are in a year. And so, you know, Hillary cracked the code. 500 A.D., man, it was, they were coming out of the woodworks. 1,000 A.D., they were really coming out of the woodworks. In fact, there was a group in 1,000 A.D. that disinterred the body of Charlemagne because a word went forth, a prophetic utterance was given that an emperor would arise and defeat the Antichrist. Are we stupid or what? And then when, it, when he didn't come in, in 1,000, and they had to, I guess, put Charlemagne back. <laughs> 133 became the big year again. Now, why would it be 133? Hmm, let's see. What might have happened in 33 AD? Oh, Christ died. So obviously, a 1,000 years later, he will come back. He didn't. Pope Innocent III predicted 1284. How did he get that number? Well, he took the year that Islam was founded and added 666 to it. So Christ is coming back in 1284. No, he's not. Probably one of the the saddest that I came across, and I'm I'm just hitting some highlights. One of the saddest that I came across was uh, in 1669, the, a group called the Old Believers in Russia uh, predicted that uh, Christ was, was going to be coming back imminently in their lifetime. And over a period of uh, the next 21 years, it's recorded that over 20,000 people burned themselves to death to escape the Antichrist. I'm telling you, we are, we're, we're wackos when it comes to some of this stuff. We really are. In 1843, uh, a fellow named William Miller here in the United States predicted the return. And when it didn't happen, he predicted, well, it was actually 1844. He was off a year. And, and, and when the time came, uh, he actually had a day that he, that he uh, predicted. A lot of his followers uh, all wore white robes on that day. And uh, many of them that were in the ge- right geographic area gathered on a mountain with him to wait for the Lord's return and were still there the next morning. It's called uh, the Great Disappointment. And he <clears throat> himself ended up uh, renouncing making these predictions. But one of his followers was a lady named Ellen White. And she began a prophetic movement that culminated in the beginning of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And she predicted Christ coming again and again. And her last prediction was 1856. I wish he had. There would have been no civil war, but he didn't. 
The Jehovah's Witnesses calculated from Daniel that it would be 1914. Since then, they have predicted 1915, 1918, 1920, 1925, 1941, 1975, and 1994. Here is what Jesus has to say about our predictions beyond that. He says, the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. Now, if I crack the code and I know when it's going to be, then Jesus was wrong. But Jesus isn't wrong. So it's not about cracking the code. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not slamming the people who, who do try to set dates and stuff. I'm just, I'm just warning you. I understand there's a, a sign or something up, uh, billboards in Nashville. Now about, you'll see them about uh, Jesus is going to come back sometime in, in 2012. Uh, 2011? I thought it was 2012. Didn't you read the Mayan prophecies? Okay, May 21st, 2011. Okay, all right, yeah, it's 2011. Okay, here's, let me just tell you what it is. You go to their website and they want you to buy a CD. It's to make money. But most of these people, it wasn't about making money. They had this sincere hunger and longing for the Lord's return, and they were just kind of wired in such a way they went, I've got to figure this out. You know, God love them. He does. God bless them. Just don't listen to them. Because that's not the way it works. That's not the way it's going to be. In fact, Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2, Now, brothers... About times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul is saying, when it comes to trying to set dates for when the Lord's going to return, we don't need to write a book to you about this. Many since Paul have felt like they needed to write a book about it to you. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing the word of God, said, no, you don't need that. Two verses later, is a verse that people often use to go, oh yeah, we're supposed to find out because it says, but you brothers are not in darkness so that that day should surprise you like a thief. But what they don't go on to read is that the reason why we're not in darkness is not because we've cracked the code. The reason why we're not in darkness is because we're children of light and we don't walk in darkness. We walk in the day and we're, we are looking forward to his coming at any time. So you know what? If he comes on December the 12th, 2010 or on April the whatever 2011 or if he comes in 2075 if you're here we're ready we're ready so one thing we know for sure is no one knows the time and the second thing that we know for sure is that when it happens everyone's going to know it his coming will not be invisible it will not be metaphorical it will not be mysterious it will be Bam, out there. It'll be, it will be the biggest thing any, that has ever been seen. It says, woohoo. It says over in Matthew 24, 44, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It says in Revelation 1, 7, that every eye will see him. You kind of go, well, now how in the world can you? The world is round. I mean, there are people in Australia asleep right now. 
How, how can every eye see him? I don't know. But I know that it will be that way. How can God become flesh? How can someone be raised from the dead? How, how can God speak the universe into existence? There are some things I don't know, and you don't know either. I know the word's true, and it says, and it says that every eye will see him. So do not be taken in by anyone claiming to have secret knowledge of his coming. And you go, psh, psh. who would be taken in by that? Lots of people. Jesus says over in Matthew 24, when he's talking about those last days, he says, if someone tells you, look, here he is. He's in the, he's in the secret room. Don't believe him. Or look, there he is. He's out in the desert. Don't go out there. He's not out there. Because when he comes, as the lightning that flashes in the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Everyone will know about it. There's a guy down in Florida. Don't remember his name. Uh, Hispanic guy. I think, but I think he's from the Caribbean. But he uh, uh, claims to be Jesus Christ, returned to earth. And he has tens of thousands of followers. Tens of thousands. So who, who would... You know what? He's not Jesus Christ come to earth because I didn't see him when he came. And you didn't either. And when it happens, everyone is going to know about it. You're not going to have to have cable. One other thing that we know is that the powers of earth will resist it. When when Jesus comes, uh, it's not going to be one of those situations where he comes, oh, Jesus has landed. You know, and he comes walking into Congress and everyone stands and applauds. That ain't happening, guys. That's not the way that it will be. The powers of earth will resist it, especially the powers that are entrenched. We'll see in, in a little while why. Armageddon uh, is the place where the battle, the final battle, battle did I say blattle? Okay, I was blabbing about a battle, <laughs> and that's a blabble. <laughs> uh, Revelation sixteen sixteen, Armageddon on the plains of Megiddo. In Revelation nineteen nineteen, it tells us that the kings of the earth and the armies were gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. How many of you saw the movie uh, Independence Day? Yeah, yeah, we need a president who can fly a jet. Uh, how, how many of you uh, watch the TV series or some of it V? Yeah, a few of you. How many of you are freaked out about aliens coming, taking over the earth? You're not going to admit it, are you? <laughs> There are a lot of people who are. And when it happens, there there are going to be a lot more people who are. Oh, what a wonderful thing that the, the, the nations of the earth are going to be able to cooperate together against the common invader. <laughs> it ain't going to be much of a battle, folks. I mean... It's described over in Revelations, and basically all he does is just speak. His enemies are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. And as we read 
when we were reading together earlier, it says the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they called out to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. <laughs> For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? How ironic is it that all of the, the great powers of the world are quivering about a lamb? I love it. From the wrath of the lamb. <laughs> so we know that no one knows the time. We know that when it happens, everyone will know it. We know that the powers of the earth will resist it. And we also know that it will change everything. Everything. And that's, that's something to think about. Because there's no way we can get our arms totally around what that means. The first will be last and the last will be first. Sounds good. But, you know, I mean, I'm like talking about, you, you know, the, the captain of the football team and the cheerleaders and everything will, and, and the, the nerd that nobody liked, you know, will, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the rich and the powerful have nothing and, you know, some of the rulers may be living under a bridge in Nashville somewhere right now. You ready for that? It, it will, everything will change when he comes. The value system that, that we have become accustomed to will be overthrow, overthrown. And when we think about, when we think about the value system that we're immersed in, and I'm not just talking about Western culture. I'm just talking about as, as the world, period. We don't even, we're so immersed in it, we don't even know what it is we're immersed in, quite frankly. We're so accustomed to it, to the way things are. And when we think about it deeply, we may go, nah, that, that's just so wrong. I'll be so glad when it's overthrown. But we are so comfortable with it. We really are. We may not like it. But we're comfortable with it. We're used to it. Are we ready for that? Democracy will be no more. Are we ready for that? <laughs> it seems like since World War I, we've been struggling and fighting in this country to make the world safe for democracy, to, to bring democracy into every, every place. Listen, God is not going to ask anyone's opinion. He's not going to stand for election. There will be no polls. He, pollsters will be out of work. He, he doesn't really care what you think. Because he's a lot smarter than you are. And, care, and loves and cares a whole lot more than you do. And then I do. <laughs> are we ready for this? I hope so, but we're not. Psalm... No, Isaiah 9, 7. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forth and forever. Well, if this is, if this is what this means, it's all this good. Why hasn't he come already? Why, why hasn't he already come? Well, I've got 
two suggestions to throw out. One is a suggestion. One is rock solid. Uh, the first suggestion is, it hasn't come already because it will change everything. And when I, when I speak of changing everything, consider this. Consider what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Whoa. The scriptures, uh, the psalmist talks about uh, before the Lord, when the Lord comes, that, that the, uh, the, the mountains will skip like goats and the hills like little lambs. And we read a passage earlier where it talked about every island will be removed from its place. Now, those are poetic utterances, but I got a feeling that what they're talking about is very literal. Yeah. It's not that mountains are going to turn into goats, but they're going to sure be hopping around. You ever, you ever seen a mountain? You ever, I mean, those are, they're big. They're big things. The heavens disappear with a roar. I remember the first time that I went to the zoo and went into the, the a house with all the big cats and this lion decided it was time to start making some noise. And oh my goodness. Wow. That's impressive. That is very impressive. No, that ain't impressive. This is impressive. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. I don't know that we're ready for that. When it comes to, to changing our, 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 our value system, tolerance will be no more. It will give way to righteousness and justice. See, we need tolerance. Now, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching no one. We need tolerance because we're stupid and we're mean. And I know that half of you are mad at me for saying that S word, but we be tolerant with me, okay? We, we, we are. We, we don't, we're not very bright and we're mean. You say, well, not everybody's mean. No, not everybody's mean, but go with me. I mean, you know mean people. And you might even be one, just not know it. <laughs> but when he comes, it won't be about tolerance anymore. It'll be about righteousness and justice and what is right. Because he knows more than we know and he loves more than we love. He absolutely does. Fairness. <laughs> Oh, that's not fair. I, you know, I don't think fair will even be a word anymore in, 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 except to describe something that looks nice. Fairness will give way to love, which is a lot stronger than fairness anyway when you get right down to it. See, I don't want what's fair. I don't want what's fair because if I got what was fair, yeah, wow. I won't, when I say that's not fair, what I mean is I didn't get my way. That's what everybody else means too. You know, it's my turn. Well, it might not be my turn. You know, my turn may be waiting over here. I just don't know. He knows and he loves. 
But the real reason why he hasn't come back is in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, what does that mean? Well, you know, it could mean he's waiting on you. It could mean he's waiting on somebody in your family. It could mean he's waiting on somebody you work with that for the last 10 years, the Holy Spirit's been going, say something, say something, say something, say something. And you've been going, no, no, no. And that that could be why people are dying all over the world because you won't witness this. Okay, no, wait a minute, let me. No, I just said it, so it's out there. <laughs> don't feel guilty. I, I, seriously, don't don't feel guilty. But if you but if you're convicted, be convicted. You know, guilt destroys. Conviction restores and, and builds up. Uh, but I really don't know what that necessarily means because I, I don't know how to figure all that out. I mean, you know, when would God go? This is the last one. But I think this is the way that he probably is looking at it, if I can make any sense out of it at all. He's probably looking at this is the optimal time. This is when the maximum has happened that can happen for eternity. Say, well, there's a lot of suffering in the world. Let's bring this to an end. Yeah, but the the world's only this long. Eternity is way long. So, I mean, he, he he knows how to equate those two and what's worth what. That's why he sent his son to suffer. And so at some point, he's going to go, this is the time. This is it. Nobody knows when it's going to be, and it's going to change everything. But he's not slow. He's not going to, he's not going to be one minute late. He's not going to be one minute early. He keeps his promises. And the promise is very, very great indeed. In fact, Peter goes on to say, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Yeah, the elements are going to be destroyed by fire and the, and the sky is going to disappear with a roar, but we're looking for a new heaven and a, and a new earth. And, and, and Romans 8, it says that the creation even itself, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, look, you don't have to buy this. This is just what I think that means, and it has nothing to do with your salvation. But what I think this means is that everything we see in creation, every tree, every dog, cats even, you know, all all of the things that we see in creation are just crippled imitations of what God intended them to be. And they're all just waiting for God to be revealed, for us to get it right. And for God to be revealed in us. And when that happens, whoosh, they're coming along with us. I mean, you'll see, you'll see some trees then, honey. You know, you'll see some flowers then. You'll, you'll, you'll see what these animals and creatures were really intended to be then. And they're waiting for it. They expect it. Somehow they know it. That's what I think anyway. Did they leave this passage up from Isaiah and on, the, uh, on the thing in there? Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. She did? 
Okay. Isaiah is the one who gives us the most information. Would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to end this way. I want you to read this passage with me. And if you don't know this passage, mark it in your Bible and go, go find it. But Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25 says this. Let's read together. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Whoa, that's pretty good. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. Woo-hoo. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. But dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Listen, listen. And you may go, well, he's talking about Jerusalem. No, he's talking about new Jerusalem. Okay? It's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a much bigger place. And that's where we're all going to. He's talking about a life where you don't go to work and go, why am I doing this? He's talking about a life where you, you produce and someone else gets. And you don't get it back. Uh, he's, not talk, he's talking about that won't be anymore. He's talking about a life where the, the former things, the pains, the, the sufferings, the things from the past that had their hooks in us won't be remembered anymore. What a world. He's talking about a world where there won't be misfortune. He's talking about a world where people will enjoy the works of their hands and the things that they do. That's what this season's about. That's what we're prepping for. That's what we're looking forward to. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Those who are going to minister to people, come forward. If you're, if you're here today and you need prayer for something, and you, uh, uh, you may have come forward earlier, so you know there may not be anybody else who, who needs it. But you may, you may actually want need somebody to. You want somebody that you can look at and go this. Pray with me about this. Well, that's what this time is for. It's time of ministry. If you're here and you don't know Christ, He is coming. And it could be today, and, and you've heard it before, I'm sure. You know, and you've probably thought, yeah, yeah, I've heard it before. I, I've, I've walked out on better sermons than this, preacher. Well, I'm sure you have. But it isn't about the sermon. It's about the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. And if the Holy Spirit's in there going talking to you you do something you move then you do something you move 
This is a day to take a, a definite step toward Christ. We take a lot of baby steps, and that's okay. He's good with baby steps, but there comes a time when you finally reach that line, and it's time to step over it. And that may be your time today. Let's worship and pray together, and we'll, we'll wait for you as you come. Just as I I don't apologize for it because if they really knew when he, if, if they really thought I know when he's coming back and the world needs to know this they wouldn't be charging any money for it you wouldn't go on the website and they go send in your dollars and we'll send you this I mean if I if I knew and and really believed that I, you better believe I'd be telling anybody who'd listen you know hey download this mp3 it doesn't cost anything you know Read this file, not send me your money. So, you know, as you talk to people, hey, just tell them if he comes back that day, we'll be happy. Will you be? You know, if he comes back before, I'm going to be happy too. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world, to redeem and to restore. May the work of redemption and restoration be active in you. May it be fruitful in you. And may you become an agent of redemption and restoration in this season, in this world. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.